Welcome to another inspirational message from Elam Church, Christchurch City. For more information and great content, jump over to our website at elamchurchchristchurchcity.org. We hope you enjoy this message. I want to share with you today a message that is part one of the Making Room series as we build towards our vision offering that is coming up in just a few weeks. Thank you so much, team. Awesome. Didn't, wasn't that worship time just powerful? Man, that was powerful. Wherever you are, I'm sure that was powerful. Well, if you don't know my wife, uh, Sarah, we just celebrated 14 years of being together. And uh, she is 27 uh, weeks 27 weeks pregnant with our third son. And uh, so we, we, are, we are loving that. We're loving that journey. And, and so when we talk about make room, when, we, when, we're preaching, when I'm preaching the series, Make Room, for us, it's the real deal. Uh, because here's a confession for you. Our baby room, soon to have a, uh, a baby living in it in 13 weeks' time, currently only has about one square meter worth of floor space that isn't taken up with junk. There's boxes of clothes. There's ironing board in there. There's a sewing machine. There's our camping table of all things. And uh, there's a whole host of stuff taking up that space. And so if the baby chooses to come as they do, and if the baby chooses to come early, we are going to have some real challenges clearing out all that space. So in the case of our lucky number three son, uh, who's already getting relegated down the, down the pecking order, and the family, he's not even here, and we don't have room in our house yet. And it's raised this, this point in my mind this week where I've asked myself, it's not enough just to wish for more. It's not enough just to wish for more. As parents, Sarah and I actually need to make room in our home. We need to make room in our lives. Come on, every parent says we need to make room in our budget. That's a real thing. And uh, the same is true in our spiritual lives. It's not enough just to wish for it. We've actually got to take steps of faith that do it. The same in our spiritual lives. If we're going to make room for all that God has for us, we need to take active, practical steps to be able to do that. You know, anyone who is Christian or not, who believes in God, believes uh, God to be the most powerful being, or he wouldn't be God. Now, we know that God can do all things, right? We know that he can do all things, but there's this gap. There's this gap between what we know in our minds he can do and what actually gets lived out in our behavior of what we choose to do in response to that. We know that He can do all things, but sometimes there's this gap between what we know and our actual choices that we make. I want to tell you today, if we're able to close that gap in our faith, we will be uh, making room for the things of God in our lives. You might see that problem in your prayer requests. What you might need in your life is a, is, a, is a full-time job that pays enough to cover all your expenses. That might be what you need. But when you're praying for that area of your life, you might only be praying uh, just for this week's expenses. There's a gap between what you know God can do and what you're actually expecting Him to do. Uh, for your friends and family members, you might find it easier to pray for the salvation of people who seem open to God and harder to pray for people who seem far off. But how many of you know God can work a miracle in each person's lives, no matter what? It doesn't seem to worry Him how far somebody is away. He's willing to go and get them. 
God can do a miracle in either situation. I know for me, I find it way easier when, I'm, when you're praying for healing to pray for somebody with a bad back or, or a bung knee. I find it way easier to pray for somebody like that than to pray for somebody with a cancer diagnosis. It's a difference. There's this gap that we find ourselves in before but what we know in our minds God can do and what we actually do as a result. You know, the disciples were experts of finding themselves in this gap. And Jesus seemed to work in their lives and kind of teach them things, constantly trying to get them to close the gap between what they believe in their mind that he can do and actually what they, can, what they, what they step out to do, believing that he could do. So Jesus takes this opportunity. I want to share it with you. And he takes this opportunity to teach them a little bit. There are 5,000 men sitting down to hear him, plus women and children. And Jesus takes this moment uh, to, to raise this problem. This is what it says in John chapter 6, verse 5. It's, up on, the, it's on your screens as well. as well. And it says this, When Jesus looked up, he saw a great crowd coming towards him. He said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He said this only to test them, for he had already in his mind what he was going to do. Philip, kind of speaking for everybody else, he was the unfortunate person to put his hand up, said it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy bread for each one to have a bite. You know, Paul Philip's only saying what everybody else is thinking when he says that, Lord, you don't understand. I've seen you do miracles in the past, but this one's different. The costs involved are enormous. Like even if we had the money, where would we find enough bread merchants and fish merchants to even provide the food, even if we could pay them? Saying, Lord, I've seen you work miracles in the past, God, but this one's different. They found themselves in the gap. So Jesus goes on to teach them, starting in verse 8, he says, Another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. Maybe being a bit tongue-in-cheek here, being a bit sarcastic it would seem, um, but how far would they go among so many? Verse 10, Jesus said, Had the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that space, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that were left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. You know, I'm kind of convinced that at least part of the reason Jesus does this miracle is just to mess with the disciples. Because in the Gospel of Mark, when he's telling the story, he says, uh, Jesus says to the disciples, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. And to which the normal response is, Jesus, brother, I love you, but I don't even have enough lunch for me, let alone 5,000 others and their families. What am I supposed to do about this? I can't conjure up 5,000 uh, enough food for 5,000 men plus women and children. And so the miracle happens. And then I'm believing that in the mind of the disciples, the penny drops in the moment. Because the issue, the thing was, is that in multiplying the fish and the bread, 
God does in a moment of time what He's been doing every single moment from the dawn of time to that point. You see, God has always provided for the birds of the air, for the fish in the sea. God has always provided for His people everything they need. And in that moment, He simply does through Jesus as an extension of what He's been doing for centuries. To us, it seemed like a miracle, but to God, it's just what He does every day of the week. He provides for His people. And in the minds of the disciples, the gap begins to close. So today on your Sunday morning, I want to share with you three truths of Scripture that this, uh, three truths that the Scripture teaches and help you close that gap in your own mind and believe for God to do a miracle in your life. The first truth is this. What you have right now is enough. What you already have is enough. In verse 8, let me remind you, it says this. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far would they go among so many? You know, Jesus didn't need much. He didn't need much. He just needed a one boy with five small loaves and two fish. In the hands of Jesus, that was enough. The resources that you already have, if placed in the hands of God, are enough. And when we're talking about uh, making room for what God will do in the current season and in the coming season, we need to realize that what He has given us today is enough for the miracle of tomorrow. What He has given today is enough for the miracle of tomorrow. You might say to yourself, Pete, well, I'm only available one night a week for small group. It's enough in the hands of God to bless your life and to bless the people in that small group. You might tell yourself, well, Pete, I'm only, I'm only a whatever. I'm only an administrator. I'm only a craftsman. I'm only a whatever else you fill in the gaps. But I'm telling you today that making room for the miracle means telling yourself what God has given me today, He will multiply for the future. You are not just anything. What you have is enough. And so the boy comes and he says, I've got these loaves. And then Jesus takes this as the most amazing launching pad for any kind of teaching. In verse 36, Jesus takes this idea of the bread and he says these words. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I came to tell you today, church, and I feel the Holy Spirit is all over this. I want you to tend your ears to this, is that to the boy, it was just his lunch. To the boy, it was just his lunch. To, to the boy, it was just bread. But in the hands of God, it was one of the most powerful spiritual declarations that has ever in all of history been spoken over this earth. To the boy, it was just lunch. But to God, it was the bread of life, an opportunity to teach the bread of life. It wasn't just bread. It was a spiritual declaration that shifted things in the natural. It wasn't just lunch. I want to tell you today, in a few weeks, we're taking up a vision offering, and that's for specific projects. For Belfast and City, we're believing that we'll be able to recarpet our facilities. 
for Burnside. It's an exciting new youth outreach that they're starting there. And we're believing for funds to do that. I want to tell you today, if you choose to sow into that, and I encourage you to, you're not just sowing into carpet. It's not just carpet. It's not just a youth outreach. It is a spiritual declaration that says, as a member of Elam Christ Church, we eagerly expect the power of God, come on somebody, to take whatever we have whatever we have, and to transform a community. As Elam, we will never not expect breakthrough. We will set ourselves lofty faith goals because we're believing that God will take whatever we have to work a miracle in our time. What you have today is enough for the miracle of tomorrow. You know, the second truth I want to teach with you today and share with you is this, what you do is enough. What you have is enough, but what you do is enough. You know, there's a moment in the story where Jesus prays for the food and then uh, the food is distributed out. In Mark's account, he gets the disciples to pass it out. In verse 41 of Mark chapter 6, it says, Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. So imagine for me that you're one of the disciples and you've just seen a small lunch get multiplied into 12 reasonably sized baskets of food. But as you take these food and you're walking between uh, the crowd, you're thinking to yourself, Jesus, this is amazing that you've multiplied it by a factor of 12. But what I have here in my basket is not enough to feed any more than three or four families here. And you're, and you're reaching your eyes to the hill and you're seeing thousands of families who need food. And you're looking at your little basket and you're thinking, God, this is an amazing miracle, but it's not quite enough. The disciples, I imagine, were people who had a little bit of faith and then a whole lot of doubt in this moment. But their doubts didn't matter. Their doubts didn't matter because as long as they kept reaching into the basket, come on, turn to the person next to you if you're in a gathering and say, keep reaching, keep reaching. I'm married to my wife, I'm reaching. I'm reaching into the basket, reaching into the basket, keep reaching. Because as long as they kept reaching into the basket, the basket stayed full. So as they navigated their way through the crowd, as long as they chose the simple faith step of continuing to reach, their doubts in their mind didn't matter. Their doubts in their mind was way less important than the actual step of continuing to reach into the basket. In spite of what you feel about the hopelessness of the situation in your world, can I encourage you to keep taking small steps of faith, putting aside for a moment the doubts that you have. It's possible to choose to put aside the doubts and step in faith only. It's possible to engage faith through choosing to take action, whether we feel full of faith or not. We might not feel that little old me can be used of God, but you can still choose to sign up for Growth Track, to find out about your gifts. Take some time to consider where God is calling you in the season that's to come. You might not feel full of faith that God can use you, but you can still take one small step of signing up. You might feel a little nudge uh, for, to call somebody. And you might only be 50-50 if it's the Lord calling, asking you to call this person and, and encourage them. You might only be 50-50 on that, but you can still pick up the phone and dial their number and you'll soon find out if the Lord was in it or not. 
Because it's way less about being 100% sure that God is doing something and all about just stepping out in faith anyway. What you do is enough. It might feel small, but what you do is enough. In my life, God moved powerfully through doing an internship through Elam Leadership College. And it all started through just a a one-off conversation with my pastor. At that time, I didn't have any answers really for how it was going to work out. I didn't know how we as a family were going to meet the cost of study, uh, meeting the family expenses. At that time, my wife was pregnant with our first uh, son, and we didn't have any income for a good long time. And I didn't know how we were going to do that. I didn't know how we were going to make up lost wages. All I could do in that moment is talk to my pastor and pray. But I want to tell you in my life, that was enough. It was something small that I could do, but it was enough. It was enough because one step of faith led to another step of faith, which led to another one after that. And I'm here today because I chose to simply have a conversation with my pastor and pray. What you choose to do is enough when placed in the hands of God. The final thing I want to share with you from this passage that can help us close this gap between who we know Jesus to be and how we actually physically trust him in our daily lives is this. What you have is enough. What you do is enough. And that's only because, point three, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Just following this miracle, Jesus declares, like we said before, that he's the bread of life. And he goes on to say this in verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. In the scripture, it might be a strange metaphor for you, particularly if you've got a whole lot of staples in your diet, whether it's bread, potatoes, rice, all kinds of different things that fill your diet. But at this time, the main staple of the whole nation was bread. And so Jesus says that in the same way as you depend for your livelihood and your existence on bread, I am the bread of life. He is the staple ingredient to meet all your needs. So let me tell you, when you face a situation that feels too much and doubt starts to rise up, whether you'll be okay or not, Jesus speaks to your situation, your personal situation, that only you know what you're going through. And he says these words, I am the bread of life. I am all you need. I will provide for you bread for today and then some more for tomorrow. And as long as you still have breath in your lungs, I will be giving you one day's worth of strength and sustenance and encouragement and anything else that you need. I am the bread of life. When COVID is moving through your children's schools, Jesus is enough. Maybe even moving through your homes, Jesus is enough. When fuel and food prices are making your budget tighter and tighter and you don't know where it's going to end and you don't know how you're going to make budget tomorrow, in that situation, Jesus is enough for you. When one struggle after another struggle pops its head up in your life and it tempts you to think that God is not in control, even in that moment, Jesus is enough for you. I came to remind you today that when you feel yourself stuck in a gap, between knowing that God is enough and struggling to live it out, you can know that what you have is enough if placed in the hands of God.
that what you do is enough in Christ. And all because Jesus is the bread of life. He said, I am enough for you. You know, as the team comes this morning, I want to share with you as we close a story of one of my heroes. He was a missionary to China in the 1800s called Hudson Taylor. And he's inspired me so much. We've actually named our, our second son after him. Because of his audacious faith in God, he has inspired me. In 1865, he felt God call him to the mission field. And uh, so he went to inland China, a place where not very many people were. And then he came back to London in 1865 and he was praying for God to send people to go back with him to form a ministry team. He felt God put on his heart to ask for 24 missionaries to go with him. Imagine that 24 from one to 24. Now, to give you a bit of context, that was more missionaries that had ever joined any mission organization in history at one time. God moved And he raised up 21 missionaries to join him and his wife. Later on, uh, he asked God for another 70 missionaries, seven zero, to join him. And God moved and he got 76 missionaries. Only two years later, he prayed earnestly for God to give him another 100 missionaries. And God moved and provided 102 people who gave up everything they had and moved to mainland China to minister in the name of Jesus. Hudson Taylor was a man who was able to close that gap, who believed that God was enough for him, that the message of Jesus carried power. And when he believed in faith that God would provide people, God did provide people. And you see it in his actions. I wanna tell you today, that because of men like Hudson Taylor, the nation of China has over 100 million followers of Jesus Christ. And one missionary organization says that this is one of the greatest moves of the Holy Spirit in history has ever seen. Because one man was able to close the gap between what he knew about God and what he was actually able to do and believe God practically for Because there is a simple truth, my friend, that if you make room for God to move simply by placing your faith and your trust in Him, you can see the miracle unfolding in your life. This has been another great message from Elam Church, Christchurch City. For more content and updates, come see us on our Facebook page or jump over to our website. Thanks so much for listening.